no matter how creative you are, no matter what great problem you solve, no matter what this drawing looks like, if you're attached to what it looks like at the end, you'll be disappointed. And all that work that you've done will now become a negative unless it's exactly right, which is rare, right? You have to have a little flexibility. I call it profound flexibility. That's what, that's what works. Welcome back everybody to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. Really excited for this one. I have on Rob Angel. He is the author of Game Changer, the story of Pictionary and how I turned a simple idea into the best selling board game in the world. And based on the title, as you can tell, he is the inventor founder of Pictionary. Uh, a couple reasons why I was excited about this. Number one, Pictionary and games like that fosters creativity. So I wanted to get in there and talk about how important that is just to foster creativity. And I even in the show mentioned that he's like in that Venn diagram of entrepreneurship and innovation and creativity. So I really, really valued this conversation, not just as a person that's trying to grow entrepreneurship ecosystems for students, but also just like to get the ins and outs of how and why he started Pictionary. So I know you're going to enjoy this one. If this show brings you value, please make sure you share this one. I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, Rob Angel. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Today, I have on a man who has impacted my life in fun ways. And you probably, I'd venture to say the vast majority of people on the audience has also been inspired by Rob Angel as well. Rob is the inventor and the mastermind behind Pictionary. Rob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, this is a show we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and creativity and education. In that Venn diagram, you're at least two of the three, and really all three, in my opinion. So we can start with a variety of topics, but I, I gotta, I gotta start from the start. Um, how, like, how did Pictionary become about, and and what did you do to launch that? <laughs> how long do you have? Uh, so, in effect, Pictionary was an outcropping of me not wanting to go into business. I was going, I went to college to be a businessman. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to run things. And then I realized, oh, a couple of quarters in, that wasn't my forte. I was more creative and innovative and I wanted to kind of do my own thing. So when I had that mindset change, I really went into my life like that. And it wasn't just business, it was my life. I still didn't know you know, 22 years old when I graduated, what I wanted to do or what it was going to look like. But I knew I was going to do my own thing, right? My process of elimination. And one night, I was playing with roommates. I was uh, 22, graduated from school, moved in with three buddies. And one night, one of them said, do you want to play a new game? I'll learn to college. Now, sure, it was a normal night. I'm waiting tables for a living. I don't really see anything dramatic happening. And I say, sure, let's play. So I roll off the couch and we literally just start sketching words out of the dictionary to each other. Now that doesn't seem all that exciting, except it was a blast. I mean, you know, we had an absolute ball. And so I'm thinking to myself, no, wait a minute. Maybe this is my opportunity because I wanted to be this entrepreneur. I just wanted to do my thing. 
And so after about five nights, six nights of playing this stupid game, and back then I called it a stupid game, we're, we, I just thought this is the best thing ever. I want to share this with the world. And this is when the, the opportunity bug took over. This is when I saw an opportunity to share this experience with the world. Not, you know, I wasn't thinking about I'm going to create the biggest board game in the world and make a lot of money and I'm going to do all these things. And no, it was, you know, if I can share this with a lot of people, I can, I can raise the vibration. I can, I can have people have fun. And guess what? From that, I am going to make a lot of money. And that's, so what, I, that's really genesis. Yeah, I love that. And, and what I, so one of the things that I do in, in my day job, uh, we, we run the state of Indiana pitch competition. And I've, time and time again, I'm trying to, and model the, for kids, entrepreneurs solve problems. Um, because the sexiness of I'm going to start a, exactly the way you're talking about. I want to be a businessman. I want to start a business. And so sometimes I'll get the, and I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm not being disparaging, but I'm like, some of the kids are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start a t-shirt business. Okay. Why? What problem are you solving? The world doesn't have enough t-shirts. And, and then like, cause if they think about it sometimes, and, and if they start thinking of like why their t-shirt or like most classically is the, is the, the food truck. Right. I'm going to start a food truck. Why? When a student says, because I surveyed 100 people in my zip code and they all said that there's no Korean barbecue around here and I want to start a Korean barbecue food truck. Oh, oh, you're solving a problem. So way different. I like the, the fact that you discovered something that brought people joy, brought you joy, and you wanted to share it with the world. You didn't start off by saying, how am I going to create a business? You're like, I've been playing this and I think other people would enjoy it, which problem solved of I'm going to like bring people happiness or at least cut into their boredom. So A, I love that first insight. But then what was the next iteration? I mean, did, did you prototype this? Did you have people beta test it? What, what was, you know, that now that I have a good idea, what was next? Yeah, I think also I want to just say one thing is what was driving me at this point was Joe Dispenza talks about this, that when I visualized the Pictionary game that I was going to develop on a score shelf, I didn't just go, oh, you know what? I can see Pictionary on the store shelves and that's going to be great. I, I got into it. I thought, okay, I can see picture, people playing Pictionary and enjoying it like me. That gave me a great feeling. I could see Pictionary in the store shelf. That gave me a great feeling. So I lived with that, not just what it did for me, like making money or starting a business. So the, the emotional side of it drove me as well. So you got to think, I think you have to think about it in those terms. How do you feel being in that food truck? All right. So just think about those kind of things. So, so there is a point where you have to actually find out if this is going to work or not. And so I prototyped a game and I just started playing with other people because, you know, even though I was having a good time, it doesn't mean anybody else would. So I, I really wanted to see if in a game form it would play. And as you say, the problem I was solving was that people are kind of lazy. They're not going to get a pad of paper and a dictionary and figure out what word to draw. So I was creating for them mm -hmm. a convenience. Mm -hmm. 
That's what it was doing. It was, well, I'm going to give them all the parts. You're not going to run trying to find this pad. And so that was the physical thing problem I was trying to solve. And the other physical problem that I was trying to solve was how do I put the words into a game? Those were, that was the key. Everybody draws differently. Everybody guesses differently, but the words were key to the game. And when I could figure out how to do that, that's when I knew I had something. That was the process. Well, I think the other unique thing is, is that <laughs> harnessing on that lazy, um, you were also giving them well-calculated words that were on that uh, skill ratio. Like you didn't have a card that would say cat or stick figure. You'd have, you know, uh, something that was, again, not too easy, but easy enough that eventually they'd get it, which I, or, or things that were so abstract that there's no right. way in heck that they could, you know, draw it, which was obviously one of the appeals of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, that was a big deal. I mean, I had two criteria. One, I had to know what the word was yeah. when I looked at it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a relatively intelligent guy, so I figured if I know it, the average human would know. And I had, I had to draw or conjure up a picture in my head. So it couldn't be so esoteric that I wouldn't, uh, people would go, huh? It wasn't a trivia game. It wasn't a knowledge game. It wasn't anybody could play. I wanted everybody to play. It was my market. Yeah. I, I also, I'm just starting to think about like when I was playing it, um, you know, the, you had a barrier to entry. You know, because like you said, like exactly. anybody could have said, hey, step one, get out a pad of paper or be, or invest in a whiteboard. Step two, get out a dictionary. That that um, how you selected your words was probably just as important as as anything else. And and so, yeah, I, I, I like that. Uh, ironically enough, when I first talked to you for the first time, I was joking and I said, boy, you've caused a lot of uh, arguments among <laughs> married couple because like. So okay, full yes, yeah. now now that I'm in my late forties, I probably could play Pictionary at a much more calmer pace. In my twenties, when ironically enough, I was playing a lot more, uh, I was competitive. <laughs> and yes, if I, I and if I was on my wife's team, my wife is a deep thinker. I am a fast thinker, and so. <laughs> That was why I was like, no, it's a ladybug. And she's like, no, that looks like a, and, and anyway. Um, but well, like, what are, what are some of the, some fun stories and some of the feedback that you, on this legacy you've created with Pictionary? Oh my. Uh, I call some of the stories cosmic gravy stories because when I did the game, it was like, okay, we're all going to have fun and blah, blah, blah. But I had these, these interesting stories from people who had played the game. And I call, you know, unintended consequences because everything we do has a consequence and good or bad. And I would remember telling one story where this girl was waiting tables on me and she got really upset you know, when she found out I invented Pictionary. I went, okay, what, what's going on? She said, well, she was a foster child and she got into this family, three kids, and she was very shy. And the kids wanted to, you know, hang out with her and be a part of her life, but she just, you know, she got really nervous and everything she was hoping for was kind of falling apart. Well, one day they brought out a Pictionary game. Well, guess what? She could draw and she had fun and she opened up and all of a sudden 
the kids and they go, the kids and I go, hey, we like her. This is fun. And over a game of Pictionary, they bonded. So because over a game of Pictionary, she got the family that she was always looking for. And I'm just so grateful that I had a hand in that. And my game had a hand in that. I can imagine there's a lot. Of, well, and it's funny that who knows the ripples, right? Because like sure, these sure. are the people that reached out to you. And, and I guess in some similar way, I mean, like one of my favorite things was being a teacher. And actually, I always say this. My favorite part of being a teacher is no longer being their teacher. Like I, I love seeing them progress as human beings and as adults and the, and the ones that reach out or write me or send me an email or whatever, man, do I appreciate that? So I can like at least kind of keep tabs on that. And so some of these stories you've, you've, you know, witnessed because they reached out to you and, and who knows you know, all the other stories that you haven't heard. Uh, so that, that, that's oh, gotta be, that's gotta be yeah. rewarding. Oh, totally there. I, I put in my uh, book game changer, I put in eight of my favorite stories, but there's hundreds. And so I'm, I'm quite, quite blessed. I mean, really, my, my intention for the game ultimately was to raise the vibration of people on the planet. And that's what I did. So I'm, I'm successful. Whether I made money on it or not, I did. <laughs> but uh, to, to, to back up one quick story that I have this idea, right? We've talked about, uh, I've got an idea and I've got to get the word list. And I start thinking about it and I'm 24 years old or excuse me, 22 years old and I'm, I'm ready to go, but I never got started. It took me three years to actually get started on the game. Yeah. And, and what it was, was it was a mystery. Everything was a mystery and I got scared in effect. It's I, I, didn't know how to do business plans. I didn't know how to do marketing plans. I didn't know manufacturing. I didn't know about partners. I didn't know any of these things at 22. And I basically shut down. It was like overthinking everything. And my dream was kind of vanishing. It was kind of like, I've got this idea. I know, I know it'll be successful. I, I've got this. And yet there was such a mystery it, it was too much for me to push through. And I think that happens a lot with entrepreneurs. I think people say, you know, you're, fear of, you're afraid of failure. I, I don't know if a lot of people think that far ahead. I don't think, okay, well, if it fails in three years, this will happen. I think they just don't start because, because we don't know where to start or how to start. And if we don't have access to people that will help us from a mental standpoint, not just a physical standpoint, then it becomes a bit of a problem. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I waited three years to get started. I procrastinated mm. the heck out of myself. Mm. Mm. Talk to me about, so, and I, I know that even schools have used it, right? So in a lot of ways, when, when schools use Pictionary, it's to foster creativity and, and get that going. Um, in my humble opinion, I think, and wow, I'm just really preloading this question, but um, <laughs> there is there is a creativity crisis, I believe, in education. Um, talk to me about, you know, what you've seen in the fields of creativity here lately and, and what schools can do to possibly foster it more. Well, I, I think one and one of the biggest things in a positive level is awareness. Whether you're starting a new business or we're talking about creativity in schools, I think 
once you're aware there's a problem, at least you can address it. And I appreciate the fact that everybody's aware of it. But I think with, with Pictionary or, or creativity is there comes a point where we're told, even as adults, that it doesn't matter anymore. Kind of sit in the box and, and it's kind of drummed out of us in some way. So I think the more and varied activities that you can do as a human, as obviously as a student as well, the better. And whether it's drawing, whether it's building, whether it's soldering gun, I don't know, any different thing. Yeah. Because when you start doing that and it comes down to not having an expectation of where it's gonna end up. And if you can tell kids that whatever you wind up making is great. I mean, I blow, I blow glass for a hobby. And one day I was making this bowl. I mean, I was excited. I mean, it was this uh, beautiful bowl and it was gonna have this wonderful shape to it and this beautiful green patina to it. And about halfway through, I lost control of the class. I mean, it, it was a mess. All of a sudden it starts spinning out instead of four inches at the top, imagine 12 inches at the top. And imagine the bowl, the bottom of it, instead of being flat, it was round. And I just kept going with it. I kept going with it. And at the end of it, it turned into the most beautiful thing I'd ever blown. It was the most beautiful piece of glass that I'd ever made. And people look at it and go, oh my God, that's fantastic, Rob. Tell me about it. Well, it's exactly what I meant for it to be when I started. I didn't have an expectation, right? I wanted the bowl, but, but I lost track of that. And it became this beautiful piece. So without having expectations, I think that really opens up the creativity because I didn't stop halfway through and go, oh, it's not what I wanted. It's like, let's just see where this process takes us. I like that. I like how that unfolded. Um... So do you think that when you were, I, I like your origin story of how you were kind of playing this uh, in some ways to kill the time and you discovered the joy. Um, one of the other things that we talk a lot about on the show is just the, the, the ecosystems and, and how sometimes people predictably that are in creative environments or innovative environments come up with innovative ideas. Uh, from what I understand, you were like the Spokane, Seattle area do you think that being in a city like that helps spur some of these ideas in your propensity to, to want to literally produce a game about creativity or were you just the right time, right place? All of the above. I'm, I had a proclivity for creativity. I had a proclivity for starting my own business. So I'm kind of aware that I'm looking for an opportunity. And I don't think that's, Spokane, I don't think that's Seattle, I think that's just humans, that when you're in that mindset, right, everything is about mindset. My mindset is always open, open to ideas, open to other people's ideas, open to whatever experiences come my way. And so the timing clearly was the right time to, to move in with my roommates. So that was very important for that particular moment. But I don't think there's any governor on creativity or innovation. It's just a mindset that you have to have to be aware of things, of anything that happens. And, it, and it's, a, it's kind of a muscle. You don't just uh, take that back. A lot of times you don't just wake up and go, okay, I got it. So when you exercise your creativity muscle, that's when uh, new creative, innovative things start and keep flowing in 
And then one of them is just going to, just going to jump at you. You're going to go, I'm going to take a first step. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 man, um, we used to play a couple of games in my class in the innovation class. And, and, and in some cases, it was just so funny because the class was almost an aquarium. It was all glass um, by design. Um, and uh, so when people, teachers and students would walk past, sometimes the first 15, 20 minutes of class, we weren't getting down to work and quiet. We were, ironically enough, drawing things. And then, you know, we'll do a collect and connect session and we take two random items and say, create one solution or one product for both of these inanimate things. And, and just, and, and like, I'd get these weird looks like, what are you doing with the class? I'm like being creative. Now, there are some that look at it and like, well, you're just playing games. And yes, oh, absolutely. Because like where you're saying that muscle memory, if, if you don't make problem solving a part of your day and, and, and you'll become stagnant. Um, ironically enough, like right before this podcast, you know, one of my daughters just said, okay, I just finished Brave New World. And uh, she's like, wow, how depressing it is that everything is perfect and nothing needs to be fixed. That no one suffers and no one, everything is so equal. That there's right. nothing to do. And, and yet that muscle memory of, I have to fix something. I have to create something. I have to do better. I have to make, you know, even if you manufacture, which I, by the way, I think that things are so good. We manufacture our own drama a lot of times. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll watch, we'll watch left, a reality man. TV show and one like, yeah, I should get in an argument with my boyfriend or whatever. Like that, that need for creativity is always there, even when you don't think it is there. And, and I, I, I just, I, that's why I like hearing that you started it because yeah, in some ways you're bored and, and, but that, that need for our students to play games yeah, and not, not for being silly. Although my gosh, playing games also, you know, we joked about it of being civil and, and being patient and fostering innovation and fostering collaboration, but um, so, so important. And so I'm glad that you, you called it a muscle memory. Yeah. When you're, when you're attached to the outcome, that's what cre kills creativity because you'll yeah, never becoming a perfect ladybug. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why that was so shocking or profound to me, but you're <laughs> right. Like, and just that rapid iteration. I mean, like a lot of things that we talk about buzzwords for innovation and entrepreneurship, like in some ways are microcosmed and, and, in the game, you know, a rapid prototype. Uh, do you understand? Get critical feedback and then move on <laughs> like serial entrepreneur. Yes. It's a ladybug. Great. Next. You know, we don't need to perfect the ladybug. I don't know why I've settled on ladybug, but yeah, I, I, I like what uh, you're, you're saying there on, on not being too attached to it. Um, yeah. You know what? Like, let me go further down that rabbit hole. Any other like profound things that you have found or maybe profound things that your users have given you feedback that they found meaning or they found lessons in Pictionary that you were like, huh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> sorry, sorry for laughing at that question. Uh, yeah, all the time, all the time, because my, again, intention for the game was, you know, my, my attachment to the game, let's go use that, was for people to have fun. And so when they weren't having fun, that never occurred to me that nobody wouldn't have fun playing Pictionary. Yeah. But there was frustration. They didn't get a word. <laughs> right? Exactly what you said early on. 
that husbands and wives started fighting over this. And I'm going, <laughs> it's a game. How could you be frustrated? Oh, wait a minute. There's competition involved. Wait a minute. People want to win. So, so it, just the different dynamics of what was going on in people's heads were things that I didn't, didn't plan for. However, however, I am flexible. And so instead of looking at it as a negative, I started going, okay, okay, how do I work with this? How can I use this for future games, uh, for future iterations of the game? Yeah, uh, I, I immediately went to the, you know, like sometimes you don't know what's going to come out of it and you can, you know, find all these lessons in life. There was a famous teaching of uh, the Buddha and the only thing that he did was he raised up a single lotus flower and everybody else, like everybody got a different lesson out of it because they, you know, for some people it was like how that came to be or the wonders of the universe. And, and no matter what it was, the Lotus flower meant something different to everybody, but it all had like, that was the lesson. And so when I hear you explaining that of like, the lesson may have been to be a more patient husband, to be a more supportive father, <laughs> to be a more collaborative teammate uh, to be less of an asshole. I mean, I don't like, like we could come up with quite a list there. And, and I, I, I think that that's, um, yeah, I just, I enjoyed listening to some of those things, those outcomes. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think Go what ahead. it comes down to a lot of times is our reactions to things. We can't control everything. And so when the teammate is not getting the word right, that frustration is our first go-to mechanism you're getting mad and how do you not get this and how do you not understand what i'm sketching but you know in life in general not just picture if you control or at least can take two seconds and analyze why you had that reaction the next time you play the game the next next word that you do will be that much better you will be that much more ahead to guess the next word so try not to i try not to react. I mean, in the middle of the picture, of course, the whole game is reacting. But when right. you get the word done is take about a quarter of a second and go, okay, I'm going to be a little calmer next time. I'm not going to be <laughs> mad at the person. Uh, it wasn't their fault. It was no fault. You know, and literally all that conversation can happen in a quarter of a second. This isn't like stop and analyze the game, but it's the same thing in life. And, you know, if a business decision you've made goes wrong or, or something for us went wrong in manufacturing, instead of going crazy, which I had done. This is a learned skill, I gotta tell you. Uh, but then when I learned how to react to things, and at least instead of knee jerk reacting, it just made life and business and the production of everything so much easier to not, to not get crazy. Because yeah. I, I can only control my emotions. That's it. I can't control what happens. So uh, looking back on all these lessons, I'm assuming that was one of the, the major reasons why you decided to uh, write Game Changer and put it out into the world? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a story I wanted to tell. I mean, I learned so much about business and life and my process, and I just wanted to share it. The joys, the ups, the downs, the, you know, the hero's journey of inventing Pictionary with people. Mm. So hopefully you can get a few... Uh, a few tidbits out of there. And, I, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very, very proud of it. And so I think people will, I know people will. And if uh, they say, as they say, don't reinvent the wheel. So if you can get a little information from your mentors, from the book, that's awesome. 
just mm. short third a few a few uh missteps along the way which you will make the missteps but that's okay yeah that's part of the fun well no you had me and i was actually having a hard time paying attention to everything you said after that when you when you start mentioning joseph campbell's i mean like hero's journey is everything to me i uh i just just huge fan of his works period but you're right i mean like in some ways that writing a book is the return back that you know the lessons that the hero took that you know involved some uncomfortableness involved a mentor involved a journey and then that return back is is represented in a book um and interestingly enough and we don't have to opine on this or or you know get too serious but like you released it smack dab in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> yes i did <laughs> I mean, so like that was either the the best move or like was that I mean, because the release date was, you know, not that long ago. It was like June of 2020. And, and, um, oh, yeah. So I assumed that you had set out writing it before the pandemic started, correct? Uh, I started writing that book six years before it came out. So. Okay. There you go. That's why, yeah, that's why I assumed. But, uh, was there kind of a wow, there's never been a better time than because like books did well in the pandemic. So, you know, here you are talking about, you know, game changer and, and, you know, some of the, your story of, of creating this and, and creating some joy. Um, was there kind of a, a rush to get it done because we were in the middle of a pandemic? Um, no, it was a just good luck influence. Uh, excuse me. It was a coincidence Yeah, that I wanted to launch and I pushed to get it done. I just needed to get it off my plate. <laughs> and I literally launched the book June 1st, which was the riots. And plus the little pandemic. And I was, my thinking was, and the publisher uh, was thinking, well, people are going to be home and they're going to want to read books and they're just going to be more open to it. So I thought, oh, this is great. This is perfect timing. But then when everything ha happened, it was, a, it was a really bad time. But I was undaunted. First, I was a little um, not disappointed. It was a little awkward trying to launch during all these, these bad things. But after about three months, I'll be honest with you, after about three months of beating my head against the wall, a lot of negative things about my personality started coming out, triggers. And I was getting a little moody. I was, all the things I just talked about, I was reacting to things that normally wouldn't bother me. Yeah. And so I had to make a decision of, is this worth it or not to continue with this path? Or do I need to take a break? And I literally shut the book down over a 24 hour period. I just mm -hmm. needed to collect myself. I needed to get my creative juices going. If you want to talk about creativity, I wasn't creative. I was forcing everything to get things done and it just wasn't working. So I put the book away literally for a couple of months. And by the time I came back to it, I feel great. So yeah. I did have to take a break from it. And I think people need to do that when they're getting frustrated, when they're getting tired, when they're getting cranky, cranky, my word, I don't like the word, but I get cranky. And rather than keep living in it, understand it, be aware of it and go, you know what? It's not working. And it could be the same about a business. If it's not working, you have to sometimes just realize it's time to throw in the towel. It's not failure. It's not, you didn't make it work. It just didn't happen. And that's okay. You got to give yourself a break. You got to give yourself grace when those things happen. Yeah. 
Well, I love it. And then, and then a little bit later, I'm noticing that you also have an, an audiobook form. Uh, I was just actually checking out the reviews and yeah. good, awesome reviews. Um, yeah, like I, I, I have enjoyed this conversation greatly and, and just love listening to you relive that, but also, um, you know, where you're going. Speaking of which, um, for those of you that are interested, A, yes, the, the, you can find the, the book on Amazon, but you can also find it at robangel.com. Uh, he has you know, signed copies. You also have this commencement speech on there, which is pretty cool, before, before the pandemic. So that was, also- that was, man, that was one of those amazing moments in life. It was bucket list items. So I gave the commencement address to my alma mater. I, I mean, I poured my heart into it. I was so happy. It was just one of those, you know, amazing moments in life yeah no it looks it's cool um so yeah I, I highly encourage everybody to check out robangel.com check out the book uh but rob uh, it's you funny can, you can find me on social media as well the rob angel okay yes yes All yes yes awesome yeah, and linkedin and everything else yeah well it's even funny i i we had met um i guess we can give credit and kudos uh the metal is a, a, a kind of a closed community of, of really awesome guys um but just just great to to connect with you and listen to the 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 hero's journey and uh gosh <laughs> all the different lessons you've taken away from it and and um all, all the things that have come out of it one last question though uh, what's next uh you, you you've got the bucket list you've done the commencement you've written the book you've you've made the game what's next you know, the honest answer is now that the book is out and I am now working on myself. I'm on a spiritual journey. I am getting to and in a great place. And I am now at a point where I'm open to the universe. I'm open to what happens next. I'm speaking and doing these things that I love mm-hmm. sharing my story. <laughs> and I am just wide open to see what's going to happen next. And that, to me, is really exciting. So I am really, really excited to see what's happening is going to happen to me and for me next. That was about a, that's an awesome answer. <laughs> that's an awesome answer. I, I, uh, I like the fact that there's not pressure there to outdo the last uh, circus act. And at the same time being open that there probably will be a new act and you're open to it and you're, you're letting it go. Uh, as it lies so love that rob it has been a pleasure it has been quite a journey uh again continued success highly recommend everybody check out robangel.com also if you want to check it out on amazon you can find it there rob angel thank you so so incredibly much for being a guest today don it's absolutely my pleasure